0: Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF Gabriel Talks Football with Greg Gabriel, my good friend. My name is Aldo Gandia, and I just want to say quickly, I am feeling good. Creighton and everyone else asking in the chat room how I'm feeling. I'm feeling good. You want to see my scar? <laughs> there it is. Oh, there it is. I am not kidding. They really did have to clean out an artery. had an aneurysm up here. Extra rib bone was... Uh, uh, caused the whole thing and it was not related to the TIA that <laughs> so, was eight weeks ago. So it's just a, a run of bad luck for me, but I'm feeling good, uh, ready to get at it with Greg Gabriel. And I want to remind everyone that they should be reading Greg's articles over at WindyCityGridiron.com. He is writing some great stuff and let's bring him in now. Greg Gabriel, how are you, my friend? I'm doing
1: good and it's great to have you back and let's have a shout out to Ross Reed for filling in for you last week that was a lot of fun yeah and, he's a great you know, guy i've never had a chance to talk to ross until really then you mm-hmm. know the night before we talked on the phone for a couple of minutes but a good guy and and we had a lot of fun doing the show
0: yeah, he's a he's a great guy. He's got he's got great opinions on things. And he, he's just a smooth pro. He does this Mac and Reed show every week here on the Barroom Network. And it's like listening to jazz radio, although they're big hip hop fans, but it's they, they have such a nice chemistry. They've been doing it for so many years. I'm really happy that he's a part of the uh, Barroom Network. And many thanks, Ross, for filling in the last week. Greg, how are you feeling? I always like to start the show because uh, you're usually at uh, uh, working out every morning around six a.m. Did you get your workout in? I was there at six.
1: <laughs>
0: I love it. I love Probably it. Probably
1: got there at three minutes after. Uh-huh. Okay, so. Good. Uh,
0: three minutes late. i I'm, 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 <laughs> what's no, going I'm on? I,
1: I, I, I don't have to, you know, clock in and clock out.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Greg, we have a lot to talk about today. Saturday's game against the Chicago, uh, the Chicago Bears versus the uh, Tennessee Titans was uh, offered up tons of storylines. What was the biggest takeaway that you got, number one takeaway that you got regarding that performance by the Bears against the Titans? Uh, you know,
1: I, I don't put a lot of stock into preseason games because mm-hmm. to me it, it's all about a bit evaluation. And developing young players, you know, games are very, very vanilla. And I want to get into that a little bit later as as far as how that will change in when you're having a joint pro- practice, the, you know, the, you're going to do a hell of a lot more in a joint practice. And I'll tell you why later than you are in a preseason game. Okay. Okay. But, um, I, I liked the intensity level on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. uh, regardless if it was the starters in there and the starters hardly played. I mean, what the offensive starters play eight plays, you know, it, except for J Tyree Carter, who they, you know, he, he earned his paycheck on, on Saturday. True. Sure His is. tongue was hanging out at the end. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, overall, it was good. Uh, he had some big plays to excite the fans. I mean, what a way to start a, a career for for more, you know, catch a little uh, bubble screen on, on, on the third play of the game or fourth play of the game and take it to the house. I mean, you can't get it any better than that. So uh, uh, it, it was fun to watch. It's always fun to win. Mm -hmm. Um, were there mistakes? Absolutely there were mistakes Uh, but that's what the preseason is for and you go through the tape you show the players what they did wrong you tell them how to correct it and hopefully they don't uh, make the same mistake twice like a a good example Uh, Tyreek Stevenson overall played a pretty darn good game for a first game as a pro but he blew his coverage on the first pass of the game
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and they had what a 20 yard gain with that because it, it was a crossing route and he just either t- took his eyes off it or just let the guy go as, cause the guy adjusted his route instead of coming right across, he took off and went deep mm-hmm. and he just lost him and he, he ended up getting beat by about eight or nine yards on it. But outside of that, and that to me, that's more mental. That wasn't a physical mistake. That was a mental mistake. Mm -hmm. outside of that, he played really well, very physical game. He showed his physicality Uh, to me, the star of the defense, Travis Gibson, what the hell can he do more? I mean, you know, he, he knew that he had to come up big and, and, you know, the staff, the front office, the coaching staff, they told him, Hey, you know, you got to play a lot better than you did last year. And I thought not only did he play good, it might have been his best game in a Bears uniform, period. Free yeah. Season, uh, regular season or whatever. Then I see uh, there's an article, and I can say, that. oh, he's probably not going to make the team.
2: Bullshit. <laughs> what the
1: hell? And I get, and I get the, the, you know, everybody loves Terrell Lewis because he can rush the passer. The dude better learn yeah. how to play the run now. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, if you take, look at the whole game, his run defense was below average, mm-hmm. to well below average. He, he can rush a passer. Nobody's going to take that away from him. But you go back to look at him in college. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. He Couldn't play the run in college either.
0: Yeah, that that is very true. Um, all right, I, I want to break down some stuff here. Let you you brought up the DJ Moore touchdown, and I, I don't want to sound like you know, oh, all those you know. Sp- raining on the parade, and so forth. But Matt Eberflus did talk about precision. We need to be more precise. He, he said that at yesterday's press conference. And I think I know so, where you're
1: going, and I know where, where he meant. I think I know where he meant.
0: Yeah. I, I, well, on both touchdowns, there was a lack of precision. Now, I'm super glad that we got the touchdown. There was a lot of great stuff that happened on both of those touchdowns. But when you look at the throw. By by um, uh, Justin Fields, it could have been an incompletion because no, no, it, it wasn't
1: a good throw. It, it, well, it, it's like eighteen inches off. Yeah, yeah. You know, so That's... he's got to reach back. So, right. but that eighteen inches, if it's not DJ Moore, can see so had to take a step to his right, right to make the catch and then and then go. But you know, it, it, it's on a regular season Sunday, that might go for no game, you know, yeah. three season so it, it's uh, the pass was bad. In fact, the first pass to blasting game out in the right flat, that mm-hmm. was off a little bit too. Yes, it um, was. So not by a lot. I mean, we're not talking feet yards. We're talking, you know, we're talking a foot, 18 inches, you know, he, he, uh, on the throw to blasting game, he threw it behind him a little bit. It's it's just stuff that's got to be corrected in practice and with more reps. That's all. It's not a it's not a big deal. I mean, all, all the plays were positive plays. That fast to blasting game becomes a first down. Get a TD on the pass to Moore. So it turned out good, but was it perfect? No. Exactly.
0: And and that's all we're saying here, you know, because the coach, the head coach, Greg Gabriel, everyone that is in the know knows that perfection is what you're trying to uh, achieve. You know, you want it to be seamless in every part of the game. Now, the blocking on this play was about as seamless as you can get. It starts with uh Darnell Mooney, uh, number 11. Uh, just above uh, DJ Moore on this picture here, going out and making that first block right there. Now, it's arguable whether Braxton Jones clipped here. What do you think, Greg? Well,
1: go back to the beginning because I can't see where. uh... So, okay, now now I can go.
0: Okay. okay. Here's the block right there. No. Okay, good. Now, because it's arguable, right? Would you say it's arguable? No. I don't even
1: know. It's, it's, I mean, he really didn't even, he just had like a, a slight push on the guy. It wasn't even a complete block. Right. You know, so um, no, nobody, nobody's going to call that.
0: Okay. And then uh, you get the rest of the offensive linemen out there in front of the play, just laying down some beautiful blocks. You've got uh, Tevin Jenkins up at tap uh, up at top, uh, Jatari Carter, and that opens up the play. So, like Jeff said in the chat room, these athletic offensive linemen are a thing to behold, and on a play like this, is no, just- wait, go
1: back right there when you see it there. He he, his hand is hitting the guy on
0: the chest. Right there, yes, right.
1: yes. Like, no, There's nothing wrong with that.
0: Okay, good. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Not if that he hit he- the
1: guy, if he hit the guy on his back, yes, then it's a different story. But his hand mm-hmm. was was to. The opponent's left shoulder, just under his mm-hmm. left shoulder.
0: Okay. So that's the one that was, uh, with the exception of the imprecise throw by Justin Fields, that one was about as precise as you want it. Now, let's take a look at the Khalil Herbert touchdown because this one clearly, to me anyway, looks like a penalty with the offensive lineman downfield. What do you think? I disagree. What? <laughs> Look, like, okay. But like, I tell you this, what, this everybody,
1: everybody, you know, I, I live 11 miles from the Wisconsin border.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Everybody 11 miles north and further is pissed off. And, and why? I, I mean, I've never seen the fucking preseason game. I know. The cares and, and they've been making us think about it because they, they just don't want <laughs> the Bears to have any type of success. But you see where they were, when the ball comes out of Justin's hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And they're about a yard and a half, which is fine. Okay. Nobody and, and, and look where the official is. The official is right on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And true. he's watching the whole thing. Yes. He didn't even reach. Mm-hmm. You know, so you gotta, you know, he he knows what he's supposed to call and what he's not supposed to call. But when you see it. If they showed up, they're official. Yeah. And so, <laughs> what do you want?
0: Yeah, and but I, see, the, the line of scrimmage, Greg, is the 44. And they're the, both the blockers. Line,
1: right, well, okay. Yeah, but you look where they are when the ball comes out of his hand. Okay. Okay, so the 44. Right now, okay. The, now watch.
0: Ball's Ray, out there. Now, okay okay all
1: right. okay they're a yard and a half
0: all right i will buy that if if the rule says when the ball is out of the hand where the blockers are then i'll buy that they're about a yard and a half uh downfield so I'll, I'll buy that
1: you know uh, if, if they're at the 50 now it's, now we're talking a different ball game mm-hmm. but and, and part of it and and you know when i first looked at it people started arguing I'm going. I don't think that was a screen. And I'm still not 100% sure it was supposed to be a screen. I think that was the the checkdown. It starts off it looks like it's going to be if you look 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 at the two look at the routes on the top. That's yeah. supposed to be a downfield pass.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Okay, and it was he starts to scramble and the line goes into whatever they call it mm-hmm. and and there's your checkdown what he did and it becomes a screen,
0: but that is not your first option. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a nicely designed play. Uh, so- but it
1: wasn't, there's not a doubt in my mind, and, and you know, Getzi or Fluse could answer positively, but that was not supposed to be a screen pass.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and by the way, uh, on this angle, the end zone angle, take a look at your left tackle for the Chicago Bears, number 70, Braxton Jones, what he does to the defender here. Watch 70. Okay, I'm going to just knock you down, and I'm going to make sure you're down a second
1: time. I love but, that. And, and the other thing, too, that's why I think it's – I they might use the word scramble. I don't know what they the, – the, the, but the guys going out were the guys on the right side, not the guys on the left side. Yes. Look, it's the center and the right guard. Yes.
0: Yeah, I love the design of this play. But
1: I uh, think that was like option number three.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing about this play, uh, and we're going to talk about Carter's play number 69 uh, a little more in-depth, but this might be the only blemish that I saw on this play. And tell me if I'm right or wrong, because I, I, I'm just a student here. You're the teacher. Watch him it looks like he's supposed to help chip the nose tackle and then number 50 coming in it looks like he oh I see what happened there he was
1: never going to get that guy
0: yeah I see what happened so maybe it's not a blemish maybe I'm thinking about a different play but overall this was a nicely executed play and it's great to see the Chicago Bears score on explosive plays the whole game plan going in Luke gets he had for Justin Fields is protect the quarterback let's get the ball out quickly I don't want him on the ground at all and uh and it was great to see the players really come through and create six points out of these short passing the best players. block
1: out of that thing was Cody White here
0: Cody and that uh, was
1: a good 20 yards downfield
0: yeah how about that okay so let's take a look at the center here once again this is the herbert play uh watch him get down there holy cow
1: <laughs> right down there and bang boom i right love, love it
0: love it you know i've based on on what i've learned from you greg i've really gotten appreciation for what these offensive linemen are required to do on this offense? I mean, these are big human beings getting downfield in a hurry. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I almost tweeted it out the other day. Remember during free agency, there had there was a group of people that were screaming for Orlando Brown.
0: Yes, yes. And I
1: can say, he can't play this up. Okay, there was a play. I don't know if you have it. There was a a, a sweep right uh, and. Um, Right had actually two blocks Mm -hmm. on it, Mm -hmm. one with his left hand and one with his right shoulder, one right after another. Orlando Brown couldn't do that in 100,000 years. Yeah. Okay, Now, and also the stuff that that Braxton Jones is being asked to do, because you go back to last year, get -hmm. out in space. He can't do it. He can't run. He can't adjust on the move. He cannot Mm -hmm. play in this scheme. So you've got to get the people that can play and work within the scheme, guys that are
2: fits. Mm-hmm.
1: And if they are, and, and it goes back, you know, I am saying this and I'm thinking of that conversation we had with Pep when Pep was on about a month ago. Right. And with and they were teaching Pep when he was with Baltimore how to scout. And they were hundred percent right. When you're scouting for the league,
2: mm-hmm.
1: fit isn't important, but when you're scouting for a team, it's all about fit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It, indeed. Uh, Jeff asked the question, you know, he, he read somewhere on Twitter that Tevin Jenkins was supposed to be one of the lead blockers on that play that Herbert scored on. And was that a mistake on Jenkins? Have you heard or seen anything that? What
1: play that? is he talking I about?
0: Think, I think he's talking about the Herbert touchdown. Let me. Uh, well, if,
1: if you notice, he was on the ground.
0: Yeah, okay, so he didn't get out because he was on the ground. So he's the left guard here, just left of the center. He gets pushed back. Oh, yes, he gets tripped up, so you're Actually, right.
1: Actually, he gets hit by – he gets rolled up by the guy. Braxton Jones hits his guy right, right into the back of the legs of, of Devin.
0: Good eye. There's number 76. He's blocked. Yep. Ap- There you go. Braxton. (laughs) That's right. When Braxton made that. That's how you learn how
1: to watch film. Although you got to look for the little things, not the big things.
0: (laughs) You're absolutely right. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's talk about, uh, our number one draft pick, uh, Darnell, Wright. I thought, you know, he played only with the ones. So he played a total of 10, 11 snaps.
1: I don't even know if he played that many, but I would have personally, I would have played him more, uh, I get it, what they're trying to do. Now, you go back to, to Braxton last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Braxton was playing over – he was playing like they played Carter on Saturday. Mm-hmm. He was playing every freaking snap just about in the preseason. And I think that Darnell Wright needs to do the same thing. Uh, hey, they know what they're doing. They, they they like what they got. First of all, Darnell is far more advanced than Braxton was a year ago. They're now played at, you know, at a high level FCS school and and Braxton played at a low level FCS school. So, Mm. you know, it's not comparing apples to apples there, but I would have got him a few more snaps, but that's me.
0: Yeah. And I just isolated one play, but I thought it was a great illustration of uh, his balance and his strength. He's, he's just, walls off the defensive lineman. Here it is again in slow motion. He gets both hands up, and then he releases the left arm. But that's not a bad technique. I was listening to the football scout uh, on on Twitter. He says that sometimes an offensive lineman will release that left arm and ha- use it as sort of an insurance to push the guy away and create leverage. What are your thoughts?
1: Here? Uh, no, it, it's exactly right. If you, and I'll tell you another guy to, to listen to because he breaks down Individual plays a lot is Jeff Schwartz, who played in the league for a long time. Yes. And yeah, you got two hands. You don't mm-hmm. have to use the two hands at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you can guide people. In fact, he was breaking down a block uh, by Panay Sewell from Detroit. Mm-hmm. It was re- very similar to that play in that he was really guiding the guy with the right hand. You know, he starts with the left hand and then comes back with the right hand. It's like yeah. a boom, boom. And and that's that's hand use, and actually for a rookie, that's advanced hand use.
0: Exactly, that's you know that, that
1: that that's that is usually first preseason game, and he's playing less than ten snaps, and you're seeing him do that. That's
0: advanced. Mm-hmm. Michael says that part of releasing that left arm is that it also shows that he's not holding, which could could be correct on that. Well, pole. you keep
1: your hands inside here; you're never going to get called. Mm-hmm. But you get them out here and you mm-hmm. will. Yeah, you know so yeah. I mean that that's important. and there's guys that do that. You watch tape and they get their hand' out their hands are out like this and you can't you're get called for holding all the time. Mm-hmm. But he was going like this and he's strong enough that he can punch with one hand
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's going to, for lack of a better word, jolt the opponent a little bit or at least keep him off balance. So that, that was an excellent job.
0: Yeah, beautiful job. And then the other player that I was just so impressed with, we've talked about him already, is Jatari. And I'm going to always feel like I'm mispronouncing that first name. Jatari Carter, the seventh-round draft pick, comes to the Chicago Bears. He didn't play much at, if, at all last season. I think maybe he got in some game action, but mainly on special teams. But he played. He
1: played He played at the end of the year when they had injuries. Gotcha. Um,
0: He's number yeah, 69 us, here. Yeah.
1: No, I, 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 you know, this guy, I, I, number one, did a lot of research on before, but, and watch him, and we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. You can see how athletic a guy is. Yep. This dude was a 250-pound point guard in high school oh. that was all state and had D1 offers to play point guard. Wow. Okay, that tells you about his athleticism. Okay, now he goes to Southern, and you know that's that's the swack. It, it it's lower level FCS. He played tackle, so he had a move inside. He's too short to play tackle, but he's very, very athletic. You know, he's another mm-hmm. guy He can, he's a sub five flat at, at 310, 315 pounds. Very, very strong. He just had to learn how to play. And yeah. he needed last year to learn how to play, um, you know. If they thought he was going to, it's a you know I don't know who he's going against here, but he, he's playing. Now his hands are a little bit initially go back a little yeah. bit. His hands are a little bit too outside, right? On on the initial punch, you should try to keep it inside a little better. But I think if you know if he played, if they knew he was going to play like this. See, mm-hmm. the two things I see wrong right off the bat. Can you go back to the beginning? Sure. Okay. Right. right okay. Now he comes up the ball right there. See, he, he brings his hands back. Yep. Yep. And then, okay, so right there, a real good defensive tackle mm-hmm,
2: is mm-hmm. going
1: to kill him because he had left his body exposed.
0: His chest is completely his, exposed.
1: Right. And so you can control him. Get into him right away and, and punch him. Now, he was able to recover, but that's it, – he's got to come off and come off like this, not mm-hmm. like this, and wind up. Mm-hmm. It's little stuff that you learn – that's what you learn by watching the film and, and mm-hmm. the reps and, and, you know, the coach, uh, Chris Morgan, he'll see that. Jay Trey, see what you did there? Now, what's would be interesting is you go back to – if you go back to another pass play and see if he's doing the same thing.
0: hmm Mm-hmm. yeah I I you know it's I'm glad you pointed that out because that was one of my highlights but yeah there was that imprecision there like again getting back to that he got away that,
1: he got away with it but right. you're looking for perfection exactly and, and so like I say a, a real good defensive tackle first of all if, if when you're watching tape let's say he was a starter mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: that is something he does every play. That he's got a habit of bringing his hand, exposing his body and bringing his hands back, so a wind up, for lack of a better term, before he punches. The opponent's going to see that on tape, and mm-hmm. he's going to counter that and kill that dude right from the first place.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so we'll be looking for that uh, in this upcoming game against the Colts, because it's clear that uh, he's going to get a lot of snaps, which is a probably a good segue to talk about Nate Davis, who had a press conference yesterday where I was wondering oh, what. I, saw,
1: the- I, I thought you said fr- I, I, you said frustrated on Twitter.
0: Yeah, frustrated was right. Let me play a little clip of what. But I'm going to
1: stick up for him after you play the. And I, I'll tell you why.
0: I had a feeling you would. Now, again, I, I, uh, his press conference probably lasted six minutes. I just isolated some of the points where he was evasive with questions about his health. This is about a minute
3: long. How important will it be for you to get some game action uh, before preseason ends, or do you think uh, or do you need it?
4: You know, I'm gonna leave that out to the coaches and the uh, train staff. Uh, it's not my call, so that's a question for them. Should we expect to see practicing in full full pads, one that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a yeah. I mean, that's up to the coaching staff and uh, the training staff too. Uh, whatever they want me to do, I'll be there.
2: But what's your expectation for what you'll be able to do in the joint practices? I mean, is it is it any different because you're going to be going up against
4: another team? Yeah, same thing. It's, it's a question for uh, Coach Flew and uh and the uh, training staff. You know, it's really up to them to see see what goes on. Well, you've been in the league for five years now. Do you, what sense do you have as far as how ready you are for this season at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm ready. Uh, you know, I've been doing this, like you said, for five years, um, you know. So, like if the opener was today, you're good to go. You're you're prepared. You're physically ready. That's, that's, that's a question for your training staff and the coaching staff right there. I can't, you know, for what goes on. I can't, you know. So you're playing how you feel, though. Do you feel you feel ready for games at this point in mid-August? I'm um, Respectfully, I don't want to talk about that. Um, like I'm going to leave that up to the coaching staff and the training staff.
0: Floor is yours, sir.
1: <laughs> okay, I got that. Here's what, here's what went on there. And he just should have did one thing right from the start. What he should have said right from that, go back to two weeks ago when they started mm-hmm. camp. Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago. What flu Flew say in the first presser? We're not not going to talk about injuries in the preseason. Mm -hmm. Okay. The players have been instructed that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, whether they can get fined, I don't know. But they've been told you do not talk about your injury. Mm -hmm. He's following the rules. They said you don't. They're going to ask you. What he should have said is I'm not allowed to talk about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That then it would then it, there would have been no follow-ups. But reporters are doing what reporters do; they're going to ask the same question five different ways to try to trip them up. I got to give him credit for not falling into the trap.
0: Yeah, I I totally totally get it. And I, again, I'm going to point the finger at the Bears communications department. You know, when I you know they should take their job like. Press secretaries do at the White House. They should well, come don't out. Don't say
1: that because that woman's horrible. <laughs>
0: Uh, and many, many of them are, but uh, you know, I, I think they should come out to the media and say, okay, here are the three players you're going to talk about today. Regarding Nate, he suffered an injury, and you know that it's our policy not to answer questions regarding injuries. So if you ask Nate any questions about injuries, you're not going to get any kind of a response. But, but
1: although where I'm going to argue that is that Flus already said it. He set the tone weeks ago.
0: Yeah, but you you got to say
1: it over. You you know, they're not going to ask him because he's going to shut it down. So, what are they going to do? They're going to try to circumvent and go in the back door. Mm -hmm. But the player was smart enough. The only thing he didn't do is he should have shut it off from the start. I'm not allowed to talk about injuries, and I'm not going to. Next question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you wouldn't have gotten four different questions. Yeah.
0: Perhaps you're right. Perhaps you're right, it was awkward, and I'm not at all trying to disparage Nate Davis. You know, I I, I have a, a huge appreciation for what all these players go through, particularly when it comes down to injuries and it's a very sensitive topic. I mean, we saw Akeem Hicks almost tear the head off of David Hall when, or not David Hall, Tom Waddle, when Tom Waddle made an offhanded joke about injuries and and Hicks got extremely upset with Waddle about that, a former player. And so I know it's a very, very sensitive topic. And I know that the media comes off looking bad because they persist with the questionings, but there were a couple of questions there that were about, how do how much do you want to get back in there? And he kind of deflected it. It almost seemed reminiscent of the Tevin Jenkins situation with Bears' coaching staff. Well, again, I'm going to say they should they
1: be coached better on how to answer that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Thank you. The, but the media, number one, knows. Don't ask about, these guys aren't going to give you information on injuries. But th- that's what they do, okay? They they want to get the info. They want to see if the guy's going to slip. Well, it's going to cost the guy money if he slips. Okay, Perhaps. so um, I, I would bet on it. I, I don't know that for sure, but i bet on it because it's a policy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't have to say what an injury is until you get to the opening game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it'll say... Um, Nate Davis, ankle, probable, you know, something like that. And then you'll know exactly what it is. But during the preseason, some teams give out the info.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Other teams, and and, the, and actually it started here with John Fox. And since then, they have kept the same policy. And I think, and I'm throwing a dart at the wall here, that the PR staff has just decided and taken it to the coaching staff and say, "Hey, we don't talk. We had a policy here not to talk about injuries during the preseason. Um, so, do you want to stay with that same policy?" And he'll go, "Yeah, but Flus gave himself an out when you go back to the beginning. If it's something that's going to be long term, we'll let you know."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, other words, everything mm-hmm. is day-to-day until we let you know. And I don't worry – you know, if a guy's going to miss a week, so what? Especially a guy who's a vet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what? I mean, go back to – back in the 80s, or early 90s, we used to have 8, 9, 10, 11 veterans holding out every single year at camp. Mm-hmm. And they'd start to flutter in after – and we had six preseason games to start off. And then we went to four. You know, they, they'd start coming in when there was two left. Because they didn't want to go through camp. They knew it was my only chance. <laughs> I, I get this vacation one time. Well, I you know, I'm holding out for a contract, and I'm mm-hmm. going to take advantage of it. And mm-hmm. you know, the coaches knew it. Coaches knew, <clears throat> excuse me, that these guys were going to be working on their own. If you don't, where it can be a detriment is if you have a new scheme and a new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but when you're doing something that's similar, this guy's going to be ready. Yeah. And, you know, in the case of Ngakwe, and we should talk about Ngakwe because, you know, you're on sick leave when that came down. But, um, you know, he's played in a very similar system. Mm-hmm. That with him is plug and play.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he, he, I should have lifted a soundbite from his press conference yesterday because he was so impressive. He, he sounds like all of the other veteran defensive linemen on this team: Justin Jones, Demarcus Lawrence. These guys are leaders, and well, you know Pickens and Dexter are going to benefit so much from the leadership capabilities uh, of these veteran defensive linemen that the Bears have acquired. Uh, one last question regarding. Uh, Nate Davis and the media thing. Jeff Willis says, was the team obligated to make him available to the media? I would say probably not, right? They just kind of picked him because he's back in action, back practicing. Uh, you know, Jeff goes on to say, because they shouldn't have if they weren't obligated. Uh, Greg, you froze up on I me. Mean, are you still there? Oh, Greg
2: froze.
0: <laughs> Let me see if I can... Uh... Help Greg somehow somehow Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick him out and then he'll come back in. In the meantime, I'll i uh, I'll sing and dance here. Any questions that I can help with? Um I'll just share this. A lot of things to be impressed with with that Indianapolis, uh, excuse me, that Tennessee Titans game, now moving into the Indianapolis Colts preseason game. I really, really love the team. Uh, atmosphere, you know, like on these long touchdown plays, we saw the defense defensive players getting off the bench and hooting and hollering and praising the uh, 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 the touchdowns and and that type of team camaraderie is sometimes always not there with the Chicago Bears, uh, so. Uh, Greg just sent me a message. My computer went into restart. He's getting onto his phone, so he'll be joining us back shortly. But I wonder if you guys felt the same way that uh, this team camaraderie is really coming around, and that's a huge part of building a winning team. You know, I'm on record as officially saying that I really do believe that the Bears can win 14 games this year. I know that sounds really. Like, I'm a fan. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, there, you know, and and it all rests on Justin Fields. It, it really does. If he can continue this incremental progress so that by the time we're in week one, uh, he's throwing those short passes for touchdowns and he's making the occasional big – Uh, throw in the air for a touchdown, Uh, we could see an offense here that is racking up on average 20 plus points per game. And this defense is going to be incredibly surprising to a lot of people in the national football league. Greg's phone is uh, gearing up. We'll uh, patiently wait for him to join us. Uh, Evie says that we don't want the opposition to know shit about our injuries. And that, that is part of the, uh, plan here. You know, you want to disguise what is going on from an injury standpoint with our competitors. And so you don't want to give them so much information. Greg, I was just responding to Evie Davis saying that you don't want the opposition to know much about what injuries players have sustained. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, that's why a, a lot of teams don't publicize what injuries are mm-hmm. during the preseason. You're not required to. You're not required to until the week of the first game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think and so I... they
1: just leave it alone. Now, if somebody, I, I know Buffalo talks about it a little bit, but they, they don't put a lot into it. They go, yeah, he's got an ankle.
2: Mm-hmm. Indeed.
1: He's got a shoulder, you know, but here they don't even want to say what it is, which is fine. That, that's their prerogative. Uh, I'm good with it. it it's um, in most cases, it's little nagging stuff. And in camp, your, you know, the, the, the team errs on the side of caution.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's like, let's get it a hundred percent healed. We don't want to bring them back to, you know, practice too early. And now it's going to go into the regular season.
2: Mm-hmm. The key
1: is get him ready for the regular season. If he misses a week of practice, so what?
2: Exactly. It's not
1: a big deal. <laughs> Yep. Don't forget there's six weeks of practices, you know, before from the day they start training camp. Actually, it's six and a half. Six and a half weeks of practices from the day they start training camp until the opening game.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, it's time uh, for us to talk about the defense overall. Eight sacks Greg eight sacks that's nothing to sneeze or laugh at or or say it's against second and third stringers eight sacks is is quite the achievement it was eight
1: sacks and none by a starter
0: and none by a starter I mean that uh, you know the depth is the biggest issue on this team and the the depth issue you know I feel a little bit better about it having seen some of the play of these second and third stringers go out there and do it overall your impression about this pass rush and it's eight sacks.
1: I didn't hear what you said. You froze. Okay, uh,
0: I I asked. Uh, what your impressions about the eight sacks? Now we lost Eldo.
1: Now, now you're back.
0: Okay, your impressions about the eight sacks uh, by the Chicago Bears defense?
1: Yeah, you know, I I like the intensity level that they, they were playing hard. Uh, I mentioned earlier about uh, uh, Travis Gibson. I thought he played hard. Pickens played hard. I got I I, I thought. Dexter played good, too, but the one thing he's got to do is is lower his pad level. You know, he gets a little bit tall, and that negates some of his his natural physical traits by getting himself too tall. And again, that's going to come with more reps and learning. He's going to see it, and he's going to learn from it. And, you know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he's at his pad level over in the two practices against the Colts and in the game on Saturday against the Colts is going to be a lot better, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's going to see when he gets tall, he exposes his chest and he allows the offensive lineman to, you know, control him a little bit. Now in saying that this dude is so strong that even though he was giving up the leverage by being a little bit too tall, you never saw him get moved, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that, so that's the plus. So now it's just get your technique right. Mm-hmm. Where um, Pickens and, you know, Pickens is an explosive dude. You no know what surprised me is that Pickens was playing the one and Dexter was playing the three instead of the other way around. Because mm-hmm. I thought Gervon Dexter would be playing the one. But they can play both. Uh, but, you know, to play the one, Pickens is a really quick and explosive guy to put in at the one technique. And so you're going to have him and, and Billings being the um, rotation at that, mm-hmm. at nose tackle position. Now I'm sure they'll, they'll intermingle Gervon Dexter there too, but uh, th- that's an interesting combo the way they have that set up right now.
0: Greg, regarding Billings, I saw him at the nose tackle, and he was lined up in a, on an angle as if he was yeah on a cock position. That's yeah.
1: typical in this defense.
0: Okay, so what go I go was... back,
1: go back and look at um, when we were there, you know, with Lovey and uh, Spice Adams was lined up like that a lot.
0: But that does, doesn't that hurt him if the play is going to his left and he's pointed to yeah a little
1: right. bit. In fact, he got there was two plays in that first series yep. where the right guard, so he's in that cock position, so his head's facing really to the the left side of the offense
2: mm-hmm.
1: from that side, his right, the left side of the offense, and so the right guard has the leverage to come down on him. And push him, and that's exactly what happened. Mm. But now, theoretically, you're supposed to. If this is a a uh, gap fit scheme, and so it, it, he's supposed to have that. And on, when they're in that position like that, he's supposed to have that zero to one gap, and then the linebacker is supposed to come in and have the next gap to his left. So every gap is supposed to be accounted for.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You go back to that that uh, the touchdown play. And somebody wrote that uh, Dominique Robinson was awful on that play. No, he wasn't. He did exactly what he was supposed to do—textbook, mm-hmm. exactly what he was supposed to do. You know, the play—it was a like a—it was a fake or an option is a better word. It was an option play, and the quarterback had the option to hand to the running back or pull the ball out of his belly and take off himself. He chose that. What Robinson had to do. Is he has to honor the dives. And that's exactly what he did. He did his assignment. Okay, so now it becomes the linebacker in the corner that got the contain on the, on the quarterback. The linebacker was coming up. In this case, it was TJ Edwards. And he gets, to me, it was almost, it was pretty close to being a legal block you know, being an illegal crackback because the receiver's <laughs> coming in from the outside and hits him really to the side. If his head was like three inches to his left, the, the blocker's left, that would have been a, a, a totally illegal block. Now, they did throw a flag on it saying it was holding and then picked up the flag. Personally, I thought it was a penalty, but so what? But still, the, the, the guy who really didn't do it textbook way is, is uh, Tyreek Stevenson. Stevenson over pursued to the inside because again, you're supposed to, if he would have stayed where he's supposed to stay and that's to the outside of the linebacker, instead of coming over committing to the inside, he's able to make the stop on that play.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's what you get when you get a very aggressive player like Tyreek Stevenson. You know, they love that aggressiveness. They love the way that he plays around the line of scrimmage. But sometimes he's going to make those overly aggressive mistakes, and uh, well, and in time, I'm sure he'll be much more disciplined on that. It's
1: just an overreaction again. <laughs> you know, I keep I keep repeating myself, but it's you're going to learn from seeing the mistake.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay,
1: okay, I get it. They got a touchdown, <laughs> and and it was really my mistake, but. To say it was Dominique Robinson. I thought Dominique Robinson played really, really well. He he was able to set the edge as well as he ever has. And there's a couple plays he had where then he came down inside
2: mm-hmm. and
1: made the play. And he never would have made those plays a year ago.
2: Mm-hmm. His
1: strength is a lot better than it was a year ago. And it, it just it, and he proved it right with those two plays, being able to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the chat room is abuzz with the play of Travis Bell, the seventh-round rookie. He made a splash with a sack. What are your thoughts about Travis Bell? And do you t- think potentially he makes the uh, the 53-man the roster?
1: No, I don't think he makes the 53, and if I'm flu, so I don't play him again.
0: <laughs> Stash him.
1: <laughs> um, no, that you know what? The first thing I thought, I was a son of a bitch, now he's going to get – because you know he's going to get cut. Yeah, You're only going to keep four interior defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to go. And so, and you know, it's not going to be Pickens. It, it, it's not going to be Billings. It's not, you know, so, if that's the and, and I doubt they'd go with three rookies inside. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you got to, now you may have to find a, Convenient injury for him because he showed some explosiveness coming off the ball, and excuse me, with that he got gets penetration, he gets a sack, he gets penetration in the run game, and now you know this tape goes out to everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thirty-one other teams get this tape. Their pro scouting department is is looking at all these guys. Now, Grant, hey, he's the first guy that ever got drafted from Kennesaw State in Georgia. So, chances are he'd go unclaimed, but he's a defensive lineman who made some plays in his very first game coming from a low level of cop.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, why wouldn't you claim him? You know, so like I said, that's it. it, it to me, you got to just be careful because you don't want to show too much, right? With yeah. him,
0: yeah. Uh, it's a dangerous thing to do. That uh, we got a question here about uh, snap counts. Why didn't Bell play as many snaps as Travis Gibson? I, I'm trying to find the actual thing, but you know, there's two more preseason games ahead. So, well, uh, Travis
1: was was running with the number two defensive ends,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Bell was with the number three defensive tackles.
0: Right, right. in that
1: game. So, I, I mean, that's just the way. Now, at, at the end of the half, Bell came in for one or two snaps. Dexter looked to me like he hyperextended his knee.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the one play and he got rolled up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think it was it Gibson might have rolled up on him or, or a guy Gibson was in contact with rolled up on the back of, of Geron Dexter's knee. To me, it looked like he hyperextended it a little bit. He was trying to shake it off. He played the next snap, but he didn't have that lower body strength because it was hurting a little bit. So then he went out the next play, and then he didn't play the rest of the half, which I think there was only another snap or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he was ridden right away at the beginning of the second half. So you know it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but to me the fact that he tried to stay in there after he did it that shows you his toughness indeed so that was a plus um but bell did get in for that play or two when dexter went out
0: mm-hmm. uh another of the guys that got a sack was micah baskerville mckay baskerville uh the kid from ls linebacker Linebacker, six foot, uh, two hundred and twenty four pounds. You, you have any thoughts on basketball? I know he's be- he's becoming a fan darling here in Chicago. Um, he's, he's backup. Definitely-
1: backups always do. You know, <laughs> make, make one play and you, the fan base love you. No, he's he's not. Could he be on the practice squad? Yes. Is he going to be on the fifty three? No. Yeah. You're only going to keep five or six linebackers,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know you can go through that list. And who's he going to beat out? Well, now you picked up, and you picked up a guy yesterday who's actually not too bad. I don't know a whole lot about him, but anybody who gets 107 tackles in this league, excuse me, and only starts 12 games, mm-hmm. he's got something going for him. If it's me, first thing I do when I see that guy's name on the waiver wire, because it's not like you can recall waivers. You caught him, you caught him. Is I'm calling Atlanta and say, what did he do? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Give, me, give me the dirt then and, and, and 99 times out of 100 they're going to tell you now it could be they hope that he got through waivers and then he's a free agent because he's making like 2.7
2: mm-hmm.
1: based on his productivity on his rookie contract right you know get him a little cheaper rate because what if he doesn't get claimed now that contract's null and void so you're under no obligation to give him the same amount of money that he was getting.
0: Mm. Um, I, I, I just, I posted a highlight reel of him. He's certainly, he's got that sideline to sideline speed that you like. He's not a thumper by any means. There were a lot of arm tackle tackles, but he is definitely a guy who has got a nose for the football. So we'll see how he does. He's I got think, good
1: instincts. He's got uh, yeah. good, uh, coverage ability. He's active, comes hard on the blitz,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you've got the number one claim position take advantage of it it doesn't mean he's gonna make the team
0: yeah exactly
1: okay they they could say you know what he's uh, we like the guys we got a little bit better but they got three weeks to look at him and make a decision Mm -hmm. so you do it yep
0: um in terms of the backfield, we talked a little bit about Tyreek Stevenson. The one player I'd love to get your comments on because I think Jalen Jones is going to make this team. First of all, he had three special teams tackles in this game, and if he becomes the special teams ace that every team in the NFL is looking for, and he can play some solid defensive back uh, for the Bears, he's he's a shoo-in to make the roster. Your thoughts?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, he played good last year. So, you know, now he's a a year older. Now this guy's no slowpoke. This guy's a four, three, eight, Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
1: you know, he can run, not the biggest guy. He's probably 185 pounds, but he made plays on special teams and that's what your backup corners are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. The guy I think is, is just on the way when he came into the game, The guy that's on the outside looking in, in my opinion, is, uh, uh, okay, now I'm going dead because of my old age. Um, (laughs) The other corner from last year.
0: um, uh, Jalen Johnson, uh, Kendall Kendall Vildor. Kendall Kendall
2: Vildor.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, I I, I think Kendall's on the outside looking in. Now, can you get a seventh for him? Maybe. Maybe. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these, if, if if you make a trade at the cut down, and there's only one cut down this year, um, a lot of them are if come trades. So there's stipulations they got to play X amount of games or whatever mm-hmm. um, in order for you to get the pick. But, and you can even do it, okay, you can give you a hard seventh, I mean, regardless, or, you know, you could do a thing, well, we'll give you a seventh, but if he plays in every game and and plays X amount of snaps, plays 75% of the snaps, it goes to a six or something like that. But um, there's probably a few guys that they might be able to do a conditional trade on, you know, based on what I've seen so far.
0: Yeah. But that's,
1: you know, we're still two weeks away from that, three weeks away.
0: Right. I remember when the Chicago Bears had uh, a midweek practice with the New England Patriots. They acquired uh, Craven LeBlanc uh, in a trade. And, right, And so this week's practice could be a showcase. Of was players. that a trade
1: or a waiver pickup? I don't, I, I, I don't recall.
0: Yeah, I want to say it was a trade, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure chat room uh, memories are much better than mine, so we'll probably get someone chiming but in. But
1: he played – that was the – you know, they, they, they had him for two practices in a, in a joint practice. That can be the negative of a joint practice. 99% of it's positive. Mm-hmm. But the other team's get exposure to him, too. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if he fits what they like, they're going to say, hey, I'm going to, the guy we may want to take. So Jeff- I, that's why I, I'm, I'm cautious about because I think Travis Bell's got a bright future. I don't want to show too much, I don't want to have too much on tape. But now with those joint practices, you know, Indy could see them on a number of downs in that. Mm -hmm. And that could be, you know, you, you may have to put them on IR to protect them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mysterious. <that>
1: mysterious? <laughs> mysterious pulled groin muscle.
0: Exactly. Well, speaking of Indianapolis, Andrew Billings, the defensive tackle, was asked about in the, uh these pra- upcoming practices, and this is what he had to say about safety and what they hope to accomplish. you
3: want to. You want to take care of everybody, especially at practice. You know, as if it's not game time. But the, the biggest thing about the joint practice is we don't want any fights. You know, things are going to happen. You know, guys to get emotional. You might you know, throw somebody to the ground, somebody might throw you to the ground. But the most important thing is just, you know, just staying calm and no fights. It's a it's a training camp cliche at this point for, to say, you know, I'm ready to hit somebody other than my teammate. How how real is that effect? How much are you looking forward to that? And like, you're just saying, you know, just what exactly do you feel a benefit to, the benefit is? The benefit is they don't know what you're going to do. We've gone against, I know what Cody wire is going to do. I like, he knows what I'm going to do. So he's kind of just, it keeps you thinking now and now i'm going against a guy that i don't know nothing about him i haven't watched any film and he hasn't watched any film on me so you know you kind of get away with your little vet techniques and, and things like that when you go against somebody else but by the time the second day comes around he's back to square one so. you're definitely at that point where you're looking for i mean that that's real that eagerness or whatever oh yeah it's real it's real because yeah you know yeah i'm a you uh you can play a little harder when it's not your own teammate that's what I'm, basically <laughs> <laughs>
0: Play a little harder when it's not your own teammate. Greg, what do, you like, what do you like about the idea of having these two midweek practices with the Colts and then playing them on Saturday mm-hmm. night?
1: If it was me, I'd, have, I'd do it this weekend next week. I'd you know, they'd play Buffalo next week. I'd, play, I'd have a couple practices with Buffalo, too. Um, especially with the shortened preseason, it makes your practices a lot better. Mm -hmm. I wrote about it just – I don't think they've put it up yet. Uh, It has – there's like no disadvantage. Years ago, they've been doing these for over 30 years now, and years ago they were useless. I remember we had, you know, Parcells had set up a joint practice with somebody, and all the veterans, especially if they had friends on the other team, you know, we called it brother-in-law the veterans would get together and say, okay, I'll take care of you. You take care of me. And you weren't getting the intensity you wanted when the first team was in there because of that. Okay. Well, the coaches, you know, saw through that one didn't take long and now they're excellent. And to me, it's like having, they're not having one game this week. They got three, they got a game tomorrow. They got a game Thursday, and now they got a game Saturday. And so, and I'll go back and reminded me because I, I put it in the article. So I'm going to the gym this morning, and I got one of the sports stations on, and one of the guys is saying, I want to see Justin Fields do this, this, and this this weekend. I'm going, You just don't get it. They're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, it, it's basic football. That's all they're going to show you is basic football. And, but, you can do it in a joint practice. Why a game? The game tape for every preseason game goes out to all thirty-two teams. Who gets the joint practice tape? The Colts and the Bears. It's End of discussion.
0: Great point.
1: It goes nowhere else, and so you can do more. And when you get into uh, eleven on eleven, even nine on seven, you can do more different formations. And we're not playing the Colts this year. It's not like it's going to, you know, come back and, and haunt you during the season because you're not playing them. Mm-hmm. So you can you script everything out. So you're going to script things and practice things that you want to see, and you want to see against another opponent, but you don't have to do it in a game. And then you keep the game very vanilla.
0: Great point. Thank you, Corey, and everyone else who's wishing me well in the chat room. That is a great point regarding you know these two practices. You can do things that are not going to be shared via tape with the 30 other teams in the National Football League. Great, great point. Lots of talk uh, in the chat room regarding the play of... Uh, Kyler Gordon at that slot position. I got to tell you, Greg, I'm super excited about this kid playing this position, too, and the hits that he levels from that position are dynamite. Your thoughts on Kyler Gordon?
1: Yeah, well, you know, they've said that that position is part linebacker, part corner, because it, in, in a perfect world, they want to stay in that sub-defense, so really playing a four-two-five. Mm -hmm. for 85% of the time. Now, you go back to Saturday. They played with the same linebacker all all game. Very seldom do they play with five defensive backs. um, But in a regular game setting, you're going to see the nickel situation a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it's – I think it's it's key. You're going to see a lot on first down where, like – on on first and 10 Saturday, you always had three linebackers for the most part, unless they, unless the offensive formation had extra receivers, in which case then they go to the sub package. But it's, you got to be tough to play that position the way uh, Floosh wants to play it. And so you've got to be able to uh, support the run. You got to be a good tackler. You got to be able to take on blocks got to be physical and he's got all those traits and now he's he's in the second year he's been through the war he knows what's expected of him he feels comfortable within the scheme and so he can you know everything's a lot easier for him to do
0: Mm -hmm. yes indeed all right big big discussion in the chat room with lots of people disagreeing on the subject of valus jones jr i gotta tell you greg when he muffed that punt my heart burned. he didn't muff
1: one he muffed two we let them both hit the ground and, I and mean, that... that wasn't a quote muff he let it hit the ground yeah. you have to feel the punt
0: yeah so is this experiment over should he just concentrate on receiver and kick no. returns
1: uh-huh. you know i i they had the camera come after the the muff punt. They got recovered by Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They had the camera on them coming over, and I just watched Flus' reaction. Of Flus was fine. You know, some guys will rip a guy's head off. He did not do that. Um, the guy's got talent. They're going to give him every chance in the world to lose his job. Mm-hmm. But he's got to fix it in the next two weeks. because and, and in these two practices. Right. So um, – if he doesn't, then he could be cut. Cut? Really cut? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. If, if if he if he's not going to be one of the top six receivers and he's not going to be your primary return guy, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I, I hate to see the Bears give up on him because I think he's going to be a great or a very good kick return artist and i think that his what he can do on those short passes will be very similar to what we saw herbert and and uh dj moore do there there is no
1: question about that but if his primary job is to field punts and he's given up the ball to the other team Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then what good is he the first punt it was a now, Flus bailed him out. He goes, you know, that guy might have been the best punter in the league, and the way that the he kicks the ball and that the way the ball comes down,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it's it's different. He's an Australian kicker, I think, and the ball, for lack of a better term, travels differently than with an ordinary kicker, and so it it's um, you know it can be different. For the return guy, as far as fielding the ball itself, right. Uh, but I'll go back to you know he he muffed a punt last year. He didn't. He let the ball hit the ground twice Saturday. How many more chances is he going to get? And I'm a Vailis fan. I you know I'm like yo, I want to see him do it. And and you don't want to give up too soon on a third round pick. So. But I'm also thinking that if they got some other guys that they feel are reliable, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then they just may go in that direction. And that's what competition's about.
0: Yep, indeed. Indeed. That is what competition is all about. I, I My heart goes out to the guy, <laughs> man, oh, man. But, you know, this is a dog-eat-dog world. You've you got to perform out there. And it just seems that like somebody just posted uh, that perhaps it's just best for him not to be the punt returner and for him to focus on uh, – Levante said – it would be good to keep him at kick return. It would be beneficial. And stop playing him at his weaknesses. We know that punt return is Okay, not but great. you're
1: going to keep go through the wide receiving room, <laughs> wide receiver mm-hmm. room, mm-hmm. and and for most part you keep six. If you take that job away from him, is he one of your top six receivers?
0: Close, probably not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We'll We'll have to see over these next two preseason games, I guess.
1: Right. I mean, he, he he had one ball thrown to him. He was overthrown on, mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, so he didn't get any uh, catches. Uh, uh, EQ is, is the backup to Chase at, at the exposition. And he's a big guy who can block and he can play on teams. So you know he's going to be around. Tyler Scott, they love you. You know he's going to be around. And then he got your top three. You know, in and Mooney Chase and, and uh, DJ. So now your six is Vailus or or mm-hmm. And Pettus has proven that he can return kicks, and he was a hell of a returner at Washington. Now, I mean that was the big part of his game. And but he's also reliable as a receiver. Yes, he and is. he's no he's not as fast as he was when he came out. But, I mean, he was right. a sub-4-4 four four guy when he came out, too. It's not like he's slow. Yeah. He doesn't have valence speed. Right. But you, you, you know, it comes to a point where you got to be reliable. And I'm not – you know, I get it. He's a third-round pick, and you don't want to give up too early. But I also know you got to have the best 53 on the 53.
0: And, and no doubt about it, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to some questions here. Jeff Willis says, "I think that Blackwell and Jones are the number five and number six cornerbacks on this team." Your thoughts, Greg? Um.
1: Oh, you're you're, you're forgetting Terrell Smith, and he didn't play. Mm-hmm. He didn't play because, I, you know, his agents, a friend of mine. So I immediately sent out a text. I go, "How come he didn't play?" Because, you know, leading up, you saw that he was getting reps with the ones mm-hmm. and he's got a groin.
2: Ah, so I, okay.
1: I can't get fined. I'm not on the team. So, uh, you know, he, he he said he should be good to go this week, but he did not practice yesterday.
0: Okay. Well, that's not good for him, you know, that mistake. Yeah, but
1: if he, if he, he, he said it's relatively minor and he should be good to go this week. So maybe they held him out Monday. He's going to practice today, which I don't even think the media can can view. Mm-hmm. And then you know the two practices down in Indy. But he was a guy that they really liked, and you know at the East, I I liked him going into the East West. I had a lot higher grade than where they got him on him, um, and he might have been the best DB at the East West game.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the kid from Iowa? asks uh, Where'd he go? Oh. Darn it. I hate it when I lose. Oh, Dylan asked, what about the kid from Iowa, Ojo uh, 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 Medea, uh,
1: Um, You know, he's a guy who's played in the league. He's just never quite got it done. Hey, you no, know, Ketanto, Aldo, there's competition, and there's good competition. Mm-hmm. But Terrell Smith is a the guy they like. He is going to be there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, they drafted him. Yeah. You're not going to cut a draft choice unless he stinks. Okay. I mean, then you figure out that you made a mistake. So, and then you figure on the fact that they had him alternating with the ones up until he got this groin. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he's going to be there. So, but. You know, you've got. Stevenson, Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor. You know, who is the quote backup to, um, I said Kendall Vildor, I mean uh, Gordon. The, you know, who's Gordon's backup at the, at the slot corner? Because that's going to play into it too. Yep. Because if he's going down, somebody's got to, somebody's, Got to step in and play that spot. So, it's somebody who's been practicing at that spot,
0: mm-hmm. indeed. All right, let's tackle a couple more questions here. Laz is asking for a prediction from you. He says, Which rookie is the single biggest producer this year?
1: I, I can't answer that right now. I mean, the guy who he's not going to have production. But you're going to know it by what the offense does. Is is uh, Darnell Wright? He's mm-hmm. been handed the right tackle job. You know, there's nobody else. And well, Stevenson could be the starter uh, opposite. So I, I'd have to say it's either Stevenson or, or Darnell Wright.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. And I, 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 actually, I think it's it's easy for me to say unequivocally it is going to be Darnell Wright. Um, He is not going to play at an all-pro level in his rookie year, but he is going to solidify that right tackle position, will make his mistakes, but there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be the biggest contributor. And Tyreek Stevenson, I agree with you, and also uh, Jervon Dexter. By the middle of the season, Jervon Dexter is going to be playing at a level – what was a kid's name from uh, Delaware who uh, was playing?
1: Bilal Nichols.
0: Yeah, he's going to be playing at Bilal Nichols level. Is my prediction. Not that anybody um, asked. My prediction.
1: Well, <laughs> the only thing I I say against that is Bilal was six three and a half, not quite six four, and this guy's over six six, <laughs> and eight. so. Again, it's that playing tall. Until he learns mm-hmm. to play lower on a consistent basis, he won't get. He's going to get a snaps. He's going to play within the um, rotation. It's what percentage,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the sooner he learns to keep his pad level down, the more snaps he's going to
0: get. Mm. Yeah. Um, last, uh, uh, wraps a bow on that saying, I'm seeing many different rookie names and that's a good thing. It really is just an impressive, uh, young class. Jeff asked the question, do you think Terrell Smith can play the nickel and have they been working him out there?
1: I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big corner. I mean, you know, he's over 200 pounds. He's tall. He's long. He can run. Uh, you know, he's like a four, four, three guy. Uh, whether he can play, you got to be pretty sudden to play the nickel. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he's got that, I can't answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting. What, what you do is you see who's playing that position in the in the preseason games. Who's mm-hmm. coming in for Kyler Gordon?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And-, and it
1: might be it might be Jalen Jones.
0: I'd love to see him get a look there. I really would. Um, let's switch over to the offensive side, the running back position. Jeff says, was the first preseason game a precursor to Khalil Herbert being used more in the passing game? I thought it was telling that he got all the runs with the first team offense and Foreman didn't play much. Your thoughts on Jeff's thoughts?
1: Uh, I don't think the rotation needs that much at running back. Mm-hmm. Right now, I mean, when you look at Herbert, Herbert only played eight or nine plays. Mm-hmm. That's all they played,
0: all right?
1: Um, Ebner got hurt in the game.
0: Yeah, and no word on. Well, nobody the has
1: said a freaking thing about that. You know? <laughs> I know. So I, I, I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent because mm-hmm. you, you know, you're waiting to see. Nobody asked either. They asked about Nate Davis, but they didn't ask about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he got hurt. Um, Homer did what Homer does,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And so, and, and to me, that fourth running back position was going to be a battle between Ebner and, and Homer. Mm-hmm. Um, depending yeah. on what that injury, the battle might be over.
0: Yeah, indeed. And yesterday, Eberflu said that Roshan Johnson's running style has earned him some reps with the first team. So we'll see what's going to happen. But he's a good Indiana. player.
1: That goes without saying. He's a good In, player.
0: Indeed. Um, one other question regarding Herbert. It comes from Tim Willis. He says, Greg, do you think that they let Herbert go back to returning punts, or is he too valuable to the run game offense?
1: I think he returned kickoffs. I'm not. I don't recall him returning punts. Okay. I'm and like... it's a ty- it's an entirely different skill set because yeah. of the way the ball comes down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a lot easier to field a kickoff than it is to field a punt.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Number two, you got to run differently. On a kickoff, you got to hit the wedge, and a lot of times you're. It's like a one cut. Hit the wedge, make a cut, go upfield. field. Where the punt returner, his deal is catch the punt. That's number one job. Catch the freaking punt. And next job is make the first man miss. Yeah. But he's got to be quicker, more elusive type runner. So the skill set, there's very few that can do both. Devin was one of them. Yeah. Okay, but there's a lot of guys that can't do both because of the difference in and how what you're asking them to do
2: mm-hmm. as
1: a returner.
0: Yeah, Mr. Shorty says fielding a punt in the NFL is for a special kind of guy that would terrify him. <laughs> I'm with you there, Mr. Shorty. Um, the the, um, the game against uh, that's not what I wanted to ask. What I wanted to ask was oh darn i had a really good question to finish things off uh but it'll come to me the brain is still not a hundred percent, Greg.
1: Well, I know about that. You know, you, you, you hit seventy, and the brain starts going in slow motion.
0: Oh my god! Uh, but what do you expect? Uh, what? Do you, what's your guess uh, in terms of what the starters are going to do Saturday against uh, the Colts? Another couple of series, perhaps, or maybe the entire first quarter. Uh, so, uh, what are your expectations? What would well, you like to see?
1: Coaches have changed. You know, it used to be the third preseason game, you try to get your starters the most reps. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that as changing
2: mm-hmm.
1: because you've got, after there is no fourth game, and you've got two weeks between the third game and your opener. So you basically got a bye week the next week.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I can see that, but I, I think you're going to see the starters. Go at least a third, but now I'm going to qualify that a little bit because you're going to get a shitload done with your starters in practice Wednesday and Thursday.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Again, remember I said it's like it's going to be too many games. Mm -hmm. And so it might not be that necessary to give them a lot of reps in this particular game. Depending on how they feel those guys performed on Wednesday and Thursday.
0: Great. All right. I remember the question that I had for you Did you get a chance to see Jordan Love's two series with the Green Bay Packers? And if so, what was your evaluation on the fourth year quarterback?
1: No, and I don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, Bears fans hate (laughs) Peter Bukowski. Because he's always alienating the bearish people, as do a bunch of those pet guys. But Peter actually is a good guy. Really? To him, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've talked to him a number of times. Okay. And uh, when he wasn't doing the Green Bay beat, he was in New York. And um, he's a good guy. And, and mm-hmm. he's actually a, a, a decent writer. And, and uh, a lot of this is he's doing... It's all pur- on purpose. He just he knows he's going to get the reaction he's going to get yeah,
0: from sure. the Bears
1: fans. So, yeah, yeah. Golan. And and I said to Peter, though, you know, he did something. I said, Peter, you better pray Green Bay wins because you're going to get – they're going to come at you in the thousands that the Bears win that game. So he sends back a gift, you know, that was from um, – wasn't, was it Gladiator? No, it was, uh, what the hell was the movie that uh, Gip, Mel Gibson was in? Braveheart? Uh, Braveheart. He's, you know, the army's charging at him and he's by himself swinging <laughs> the sword. I thought it was a great gift.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's yeah, what I, he's I, at.
1: <laughs> you know, I refuse to talk about that game, you mm-hmm. know, like on 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 Twitter X or whatever the hell you're supposed to call it now.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
1: and I just, you know, why keep throwing gas on the fire?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when when the when the game's over, everything's fair game. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> the Bears are gonna win that game. Uh, and if they are, the, the Bears fans can have all the fun they want with the the assholes up north. But I, I, it just from my point of view, I'd leave it alone for a few more weeks.
0: Yeah, that's my philosophy too. I'm only going to talk after the bears win. I'm not going <laughs> to talk beforehand. All right, Greg, this has been a fantastic, uh, what is it, 70, 80 minute show, approaching 82 minutes quickly here. You got any final thoughts for your followers?
1: No, I wish I was down in India to see this. They got a great practice facility. Do it. it's just north of the city it's at this this athletic complex and it's a multi sport athletic complex i was there in 2019 when mm-hmm. i was there for the for the xfl i was there for a couple of days and i mean every sport in the world they're playing games there they have baseball t- and they can go on at the same time this is like acres and acres and acres mm. Uh, just on the north side of the the beltway, going around Indy, and they've got—I'm not sure if they got an indoor facility there—but they've got three or four regular practice fields, stands set up, you know, movable stands set up. Uh, just ideal conditions. That just a mile or so away, they got a hotel. Where they put the players in, and the whole staff is there. Chris said he likes it because he lives like two miles away. So he goes, I get to go home and sleep in my bed every night. That's Chris
0: um, had that nice but it, it's
1: before that, they were at the, the Colts complex and <clears throat> they just didn't have the, you, they, they were tearing up the fields too much. They had two practice fields plus the indoor facility. Yeah. Well, they've got more than that at this other place. And so they don't have to ruling the grass at their facility and it's still it's probably 10 minutes from their complex
0: pretty nice Pretty nice. By the way, I took a drive past Arlington uh, Racetrack uh, and the stands there, I would say there's probably 30% of them are left. So it's almost those grandstands are almost completely down. We'll see if the Bears can make any progress with the tax situation so that they can begin construction immediately after a thing is down. So uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Greg, it's always great talking football with you. We'll be back here next week. Same time, same channel. And we'll hopefully be talking about some more progress on the part of the Chicago Bears team. For I also, Greg- so. Yep. For Greg Gabriel, I am Aldo Gandia. I will be back, by the way, tonight, 8 o'clock, uh, Bear Their Souls with my buddy Dan Aguirre. And uh, we'll see you then. Take care, everybody.
1: See you later. Thanks. <laughs>